You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Christina Cardoza, news editor of SD Times. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Joining me today is Lauren Kilgerman, Senior Director of Product at Gremlin, the software reliability company and chaos engineering platform provider. Hey, Lauren, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So for our listeners who are new to chaos engineering or never heard the term, um, can you just give us a brief example or explanation of what chaos engineering is and the state of it today? Um, for sure, I'd be happy to. Um, really, you know, at, at the core of, of Gremlin's mission, which is around um, you know providing uh, chaos engineering as a service, is to is to make um, is to build a more reliable internet, right? And chaos engineering is the practice of breaking things on purpose um, with a form hypothesis to see what happens. Really, this is all about making sure that you're ready when the failure uh, will occur, um, to make sure your systems will mitigate that failure, that they'll respond as you expect them to respond. Um, so that when you know something does go wrong, you're ready for it. Um, you can handle it, and your customers, um, you know, will not see any um, impact. And if they do, um, you'll you know what they're going to see. So you're going to provide a really good experience, no matter what what is happening. Great. So why do you think you know chaos engineering and the reliability of software is becoming increasingly important today, and that you know chaos engineering is starting to trend more in the software development industry? Yeah, there's really a, a lot of reasons, um, you know, starting with the complexity of the systems that we're building these days, right? You know, moving to, you know, microservice architecture, moving to uh, public clouds, uh, managed services, you know, hybrid cloud um, systems like Kubernetes, where there's, you know, abstraction in terms of the architecture and the infrastructure. Um, there's so much complexity out there. It's really, really difficult to understand how a system works um, end to end. Um, and we're able to, you know, write more code, write more features, release more code more quickly. However, everything is so interconnected and so dependent on each other that when one thing um, goes wrong or one thing breaks, the whole system kind of have a has a cascading effect. And, um, and that's not a great thing, obviously. Um, it's hard to diagnose, it's hard to debug. And so really chaos engineering has become, um, is, is, is becoming more popular, but the practice is really maturing because it's, it's you know, a really great way to be able to test your software to make sure that it's going to function well when something isn't going quite right or, you know, a service that you have not written yourself isn't responding as you expect it to. And um, this is really, you know, as, as we believe it to be, the way to make sure that software becomes reliable and resilient in this world of kind of ever-changing and ever-evolving um, infrastructure and services that we rely on. Now, it sort of goes, you know, against the nature of business to fail. So how do you present this idea of chaos engineering to them that we're going to fail, but we're going to learn from it. And how do you really get business on board and then the software development teams on board and create a culture around this? Yeah, it's, it's a really great point. I mean, the, the culture is, is a super important thing, um, both you know from the engineering teams right up to the business, to folks who are, are technical and also non-technical. Um, you know, you know, everyone you know has has uh, who's been in the software industry has has dealt with failures, has has dealt with things going wrong. Um, you know, sat in that that war room, has responded to that page. You know, at, at the ungodly hour, and all that. So, um, you know, none of that is new. However, however, how we're going to respond to it is is a new is a change, right? And that's the culture that we're we're um, we're helping evolve in terms of you know not pointing f- fingers, um, not blaming folks, but you know really understanding. Um, um, how things are going wrong and why, 
And so, you know, sometimes we talk about this as chaos engineering. Um, sometimes we talk about it as, as resilience engineering or reliability engineering. You know, you can imagine that in the different industries out there, um, some of the different terms are, are kind of better accepted than others. But really at the core of it, you know, showing the value of, hey, let's, let's sit all together and plan out this, this experiment of a common, you know, failure case, as in, you know, your database um, becomes slow or the cache between your databases is unavailable. Um, let's, let's, um, let's plan out what, what we think would happen. Let's run an experiment all together and let's see what does happen. And then we can talk about solutions to that. And so it's really a team effort. It's, it's a group effort. Um, and when everybody's involved, um, it's, it's a pretty fun experience. And then you, you have direct um, outcomes of what you need to improve on. You can run that experiment again, and then you can see the improvement. And then you can know that when that type of failure does happen, um, the system is going to be in a good place and um, we're not going to be woken up in the morning, um, you know, at 3 a.m. or whatnot. You mentioned, um, you know, slow databases and the caching. So you know, what are some other common failures that you see go wrong? For sure. There's, so, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of different categories. Um, you know, the, the dependencies of your service are super critical, whether it's the database, the cache. Um, off, we offer uh, a category of, of um, the resources on the machine itself. You know, so what happens when the CPU um, spikes uh, for a short period of time or a long period of time? Um, you know, you can think about situations like auto scaling of instances when you have a lot of demand, a lot of traffic. So, you know, for example, Black Friday or New Year's Eve are, are really common um, times when you want to make sure that that um, not just will your system scale properly, but when it does scale, will it handle that load properly, right? Do, do, um, do your sessions transfer from one instance to another? When an instance goes away, again, does the user get, get an error or whatnot? So resources are critical. Um, the, the state of the machine, right? In terms of uh, whether is it is it um, coming and going, um, is the pro are the processes being killed? Uh, we have a fun time travel um, uh, attack type as well, which helps you test things like daylight savings time, um, things like your your certificates being unavailable, um, as well as the network world, right? Where we were talking about things becoming slow with latency or being being um, unavailable entirely. So let's kind of cover the different um, categories and, and main main areas. Um, one really common uh, failure mode we see quite a bit is around just the, the disk of a machine, right? What happens when the logs fill up the disk, right? The, the seemingly simple uh, failure modes um, have the most impact and, you know, strangely enough, happen more frequently than others. And so those kind of um, making sure you cover your bases across the, you know, the state, the resources, and the network of uh, your environment can really help uh, quite a quite a quite a bit. Great. So, you know, how do you get started with chaos engineering, and how do you determine which of those failures are going to be important to you and your application? So, there's there's several ways. Um, you know, typically, you know, looking at your type of application, right? You know, is this um, an application that is streaming data? Um, is it transactional? Um, does it handle a lot of data, a lot of content? You know, large files. So, based on the type of application that you're running. You know, you can you can look down and, and think about your common failure modes. You know, you can also look at you know past problems that you've had, past past um, outages or incidents, and see um, you know what do you need to reproduce, what do you need to make sure that you're in a good good place moving forward with. And so there's a bit of reactiveness, and there's also a bit of proactiveness um, to make sure that everything that has happened in the past you can now mitigate. And then as you build new services, that the type of uh, function that's providing um, will be in a good place. 
Uh, Kubernetes is, is also quite interesting and, and uh, relevant here. As you know, there, there's a couple different things that you want to test, you know, um, in terms of the approach of does my service, does my application do what it needs to do uh, when things do go wrong? But also you want to make sure to test um, that the actual system, the orchestration of Kubernetes, whether you're managing it yourself, whether you're using a managed service across a different cloud provider, um, is that doing what you set it up to do, right? There's, we all know that configuring Kubernetes has a lot of complexity to it, right? Whether it's about scaling, um, where the pods are going, the types of, um, you know, the types of sets that you have um, configured. And so you want to make sure that the configuration is in place for the expected outcome that you're looking for. So, you know, it's a, it's a whole bunch, but really making sure that one, your service works as expected and two, that the environment where your service is running is going to work as expected as well um, are great places to start. Now, um, do companies create a reliability standard or a determine, you know, a level of failure that they're comfortable or acceptable with? So um, some do. I know the, the folks who are a little bit more mature who have been in this space for a little while, um, you know, whether it's an SLO or an SLA, you know, an objective or an agreement, in, uh, you know, internally or with your customers themselves, um, are great things to monitor and to track. You know, some companies are tracking, you know, things, basics like error rates, like latency, you know, between their servers and, and the, you know, the client. Um, so there's a whole different um, kind of set of, of uh, monitors and, and um, you know, metrics that folks are monitoring to make sure that their services are in, in, a, in a good place. Um, so we're kind of, we're happy to meet everyone where they are, of course, um, to make sure that they have a good, good handle on, you know, what reliability means, means to them. Um, and so that is evolving and, and um, kind of maturing over time. Um, and it's, it's, it's a little bit scattered right now, but, but um, we're, we're, we're happy with what we're seeing in terms of, you know, moving towards, you know, a more um, codified SLO, SLA type of, um, type of metric that folks are, are watching as, as well as, um, you know, the number of incidents that you're having, the amount of downtime, of course, which translates into, you know, a number of nines of, of availability. Um, but we're also helping folks kind of understand and translate what that effect has on their business, right? In terms of dollars lost, in terms of number of users lost, uh, in terms of credibility, um, um, reputation, and also, you know, you can't forget the amount of time that um, your engineering team is spending uh, trying to fix a problem and trying to solve a problem. Um, and when they're doing that, they're not able to be proactive and you know, work on new things and release new new features uh, for your business. So lots of play there as well. Great. Now, I know you guys held um, an online chaos conference last month. Was there anything you learned um, from the users or the attendees about this space or any key themes you really saw come out of that conference? Yeah, I mean, it, the, the, the speakers at the conference were, were just awesome. Um, the content was great. It was top-notch from, you know, a bunch of large companies, um, some smaller companies, folks who, who had gotten started recently, as well as um, who had been working in the space for quite a while. So we were just super excited to see the range and caliber of, of the content. And, you know, a couple of years ago when, you know, this is our third chaos comp, um, you know, there was a lot of content about what is this, what is chaos engineering, why should I be doing it, and, and what is the value and we're really seeing now not not just um, you know why and, and how, but what am I getting out of it and how do I do it? And so the, the talks were really focused on on specifics, on details around different types of platforms, um, around the business value itself, you know how to make time for it, how to change the culture. So you know the um, 
a level of detail on the practicality and the the everyday is what was um, pretty evident to us, and, and we were excited about it. Great, and we're also in the midst of um, the KubeCon conference right now, which Gremlin is a part of. Are you seeing any of those overlapping themes or anything new coming from this conference? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely the same themes. Um, you know, the theme for sure around you know around Kubernetes, around orchestration, around you know more abstraction, and just so many different types of managed services in this space that help help customers and, and help engineers you know spend their time engineering, right? Help them spend their time building software. Um, progressing their business versus spending time on the infrastructure itself, and especially the complexity, which is um, which has grown, you know, somewhat exponentially. And so we're we're kind of excited as well to have um, you know, to have our products support uh, the Kubernetes kind of platform in, in various ways. So that again, um, you know, anyone um, on on the Gremlin on the Gremlin platform can you know really leverage the whole chaos engineering um, mindset and mentality. Uh, regardless where their services are are running. Is there anything um, on the roadmap with Kubernetes and Gremlin that you can share with us or anything, you know, that you guys are currently working on or releasing? Yeah, definitely. And so we're, we're making an announcement, but we've, we've recently um, uh, provided a few more pieces of functionality that are just improving the Kubernetes uh, integration that we've got uh, with Gremlin. And just so to quickly kind of list out capabilities, um, you're now able to, uh, run experiments on your services, uh, specifically the the state and the resources of your services, um, without worrying about affecting other nodes or other services on the same node. So we've essentially helped eliminate the noisy neighbor problem when you're running, you know, for example, a CPU attack on a pod when there are other pods on the same node. Um, we can restrict just that that um, that impact to that one pod and the. the uh, the containers with to which it resolves. Um, so we're happy to kind of help you test just the service that you'd like to test, you know, and not the entire uh, the entire cluster. Um, another feature that, that a lot of our um, you know, our financial customers and others who are really focused on security um, and access control is around providing you know access to impact a service um, on a namespace by namespace basis. And as you know, a cluster can get quite large, right? And that's somewhat by design. Um, and so we're seeing clusters being, you know, containing hundreds and hundreds of services within these large organizations. Um, and it's not great for, you know, the Kubernetes, the, the Gremlin client to be installed on a cluster and to have everybody, that organization, have access to everything in that cluster. So we recently announced or released a, a feature to only provide, um, provide a sharing capability so that um, you can only provide access to everything on a namespace by namespace basis. Um, other than that, um, we're also able to now support um, additional runtimes besides uh, Docker, which we've had supported for quite some time. So we now support Cryo as well as Container D, um, which allows us to fully support um, the IBM OpenShift platform, um, as well as um, on AWS, the EKS platform is moving to uh, leveraging Container D under the hood. And so we want to make sure, again, that we support the major uh, major platforms out there. So these are kind of rounding out our Kubernetes integration functionalities. So again, we want to meet our customers where they are and make sure that you know there's, there's as little friction as possible um, based on the platform that you're using to run your services. Great. Now, are those features, um, you know, like the soundproofing Kubernetes that you just mentioned available now? 
Yes, yes, they were recently, so they are available available now, available uh, a little from a little while ago. Great. I think that's all the time we're going to have today, Lauren. But if, before we go, is there anything else, any final thoughts you want to add about Gremlin and the future of chaos engineering? Just, just to give it a try, right? You know, and, and the whole, our, our whole uh, methodology is, you know, it's called chaos engineering. Um, however, the, the practice is not chaotic, right? The practice is to thoughtfully plan out your experiments, um, to think about what would happen, make sure that what does happen is, is based on your, you know, your hypothesis and, and see if that holds true or not, and then you know keep moving. But you know we're excited to to learn from the industry um, and just to help folks, you know, you know build that culture and move things forward in terms of becoming more reliable and and more resilient. Great. Well, thanks again so much for coming on the podcast today, and thanks to our listeners for joining us. Until next time, this has been what the devs.